politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here at Blaze TV. Daniel Horowitz, your host, back in the house for another exciting but truncated holiday week here at Blaze. And I'm actually starting out really early today for Monday just because I am headed to Pennsylvania with my dad and my brother. And we are looking for that elusive red county where we could pitch our second home in the woods, in a mountain, and live freely. I appreciate your feedback if there's anywhere I could go. Uh, We're looking at some houses, some properties. So I am going to be out the rest of the day, but I wanted to make sure to get in a blockbuster show before I head out on the road. Now, I want to repeat a certain point I made on Friday that I felt was a powerful but subtle point that's worth repeating. Everyone's talking about Sidney Powell, Trump's legal team and election fraud. Look, I don't know where this is going to head. There is a lot of fraud. But as I mentioned, imagine if some sort of politician would get up there and say, yeah, you know, I, I stole the election. I felt that Trump could not be accorded a second term. Our country can't afford this. So we rigged the machines, we stuffed the ballots, we forged signatures on all these mail-in ballots, and yeah, I mean, this is what we're doing. I mean, this is a national emergency, this is what we're doing. Now, obviously, everyone would like have a heart attack and fall out of their seats if that were to happen, because of course, they didn't admit it, and that's why they're not admitting it, because they know people wouldn't tolerate it. But as I noted, that would actually not be nearly as tyrannical and as as absurd as a governor getting up there and saying, hey, buddy, this is a national emergency, so here's what we're doing. You will not have guests outside of your home, inside of your home, who don't live there. You can't go to work. You're going to be wearing a diaper on your face. The two-year-old, your two-year-old will wear a diaper in school. And this is what we're doing. Openly. And this they are saying openly. Where is the visceral reaction? So today I'm going to give you a cost-benefit analysis. Demonstrating the profundity of the lies that have been promulgated at the foundation of COVID fascism. The, and, and the central lie undergirding everything they've done. And then compare it against the cost. Zero benefit. And an enormous cost that is a tab that's greater than civilization itself. So I'm going to get to that in a couple of moments. But I wanted to note, with these edicts going on, take a look at Minnesota. Take a look at Minnesota. You now face 90 days in jail or a $1,000 fine if you socialize with someone who does not live in your home. I, I don't even think North Korea has such a rule. And this is inside your home or outdoors. And if you threaten to do so anyway, let's say like you post on social media, you face a $25,000 fine. Hold that thought for a moment. 
Now let me read you something from Alpha News, a terrific website that tracks crime in the Twin City area. Minneapolis has been a citywide has seen a citywide increase in violent crime of over 23% compared to last year, with some precincts seeing over 40% increase in violent crime. Over 500 people have been shot this year. The homicide rate has nearly doubled. And carjackings across the city are up by more than 300%. So you could carjack someone with a gun, but you can't socialize with someone who doesn't live in your home. Could you have ever conjured up a more dystopian view of not just governance, but of mankind, of civilization. We need a revolution right here, right now against this. This has got to end. This has nothing to do with even the fraud. Who's going to be president? Who's going to win the Senate? This is so much greater than that. It's time to rebel. And like I said, it's time to start, at least in the red states, and push back against this and use that as our base of operations. We're never going to win the blue areas back. But at least if we could find some sort of asylum for mankind, it would be worth it. But here we are. We're back to the toilet paper stage of life with toilet paper out. We thought we would never get back to this. But it's happening right before our eyes. Again, I just wanted to reiterate That is a much more dastardly form of governing fraud than even stuffing the ballots. And they're doing it openly, and we're, you know, we seem to be okay with it. It's time to rebel. It is time to rebel. Now, folks, there's a lot more I wanted to get to on the crime front. I don't know if I'm going to get to it this week. There's a lot of other stuff going on. But... Just one brief thing while we're on the topic of Minnesota. You know what's funny? I just saw, not only did Republicans flip two congressional seats in Minnesota, they actually picked up five seats in the state house. So Republicans control the Senate, Democrats control the state house there. It's the only state that actually has a divided chamber. Every other state, it's it's one or another all party, you know, the same party controlling it. So Democrats thought that they would have a great year and pick up the Senate, flip the Senate. Not only did Republicans hold the Senate, and actually I think two Democrats changed parties. So, I mean, who knows who these guys are? Often they're snakes in the grass, but officially Republicans have a larger majority there now. Republicans actually picked up five seats in the House. So I think rather than it being 75-55 Dem, it's 70-60 headed into the next legislative session. How in the world are you going to tell me? How in the world are you going to look me in the eye and tell me that Trump lost the state by seven points, the same margin as Romney um, slid back five and a half points from his performance last time? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, again, I don't know if there's enough time to prove that. But this is a broader point I just want to make about the election stuff. Now, I know Sidney Powell and the team, they have a funny balancing act here because you can't spill certain beans and spoil your case if you're trying to make a legal case in court. But I do think she needs to work 
with the state legislators and find at least a handful of good ones in these states and say, look, we don't have to sit and wait on phony courts. This evidence could be presented to a legislature. If they have the evidence presented there and they could hold hearings, call people down, and they must do this. This is not just a court case. This is what a legislature is there for. You don't need the governor's signature for that. Hold hearings. Have, have a trial in public in the court of public opinion. The way to do that, a trial in the court of public opinion is another name for a hearing in a legislature. You have a hearing in a court. You have a hearing in a legislature. What are Republicans doing with all this legislative authority? So that's that. But I wanted to get to what I think is the biggest news story to come out over the weekend. And there is now a printed study in Nature Journal. Nature. nature Nature.com. Okay, this is one of the top respected medical journals been pushing lockdowns and everything. I'm shocked they published this. A study out of China where they did the greatest mass testing done on the planet. They tested every human being in Wuhan, basically. They started in May. They finished in August. They tested 10 million people. And, you know, the virus was already done with there. So... Out of 10 million people, they had just 300 positives. They were all asymptomatic. So you have a sample of 300 asymptomatic people. They found that not a single one of them spread it to their contacts. They counted a total of 1,174 contacts out of these 300 or so asymptomatic individuals. They found zero positive among them. And they also found that because they were using 35 CTs, cycle thresholds, those are amplifications of the virus in the PCR uh, testing machines, they basically found that the virus cultures were negative for all asymptomatic positive and repositive cases, indicating no viable virus in positive cases detected. In this study. So basically what that demonstrates. Is that most people that we know of. Getting the virus. That only know about it through testing. It means they're asymptomatic. And what that also means is that. They are essentially. Not infectious. Because the only way you find asymptomatic positives. Is through 35 to 40 degrees of amplification. By the way we have. Most of our labs do 40 CTs. But more importantly, what that means is, as we noted before, this entire premise of this lockdown was built on a lie. Now, I want to delve into that lie. But first, I want to show you something that is not a lie, that actually works. And that is bowl and branch bedsheets. Our newest sponsor to this show. What do millions of Americans and three former U.S. presidents have in common? We all agree that Bull and Branch sheets are the softest, most comfortable, pure organic cotton sheets on earth. Bull and Branch cotton is rain-fed, pesticide-free, carries the highest organic certification. That's why it is so soft. Because they work with family-owned mills all over the world, 
and by the way, not in China, to expertly weave every set of bowl and branch sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship. It's quality. You can feel the moment you open that box. Folks, like every night I look forward to going in those sheets. I also have a, a pillow from Bolton Branch as well. Unbelievable, amazing. Um, my wife and I take turns sleeping on it. We'll have to get another one. Even the baby loves it. I put the baby on the on the sheets. She just loves it there, which my wife doesn't like because she doesn't want her to get used to sleeping in the bed. But anyway... They sell directly to you. Bowling Brand sheets start at just $160. These are luxury sheets. $1,000 quality for a fraction of the price. Plus, you can sleep on them for a month risk-free. They get softer with every wash. We just did our first wash. Makes a huge difference. Right now, you will get $50 off any sheet set at BowlingBranch.com with promo code CONSERVATIVE. Spelled B-O-L-L and A-N-D, branch, B-R-A-N-C-H.com, promo code conservative for $50 off. That is bullandbranch.com, promo code conservative restrictions may apply. See bullandbranch.com for details. Now, folks, this asymptomatic spread. We were told that we have to violate decades, centuries of research, we have to revert back to the fear and superstitions of the Dark Ages with the Black Plague, and you have to quarantine the healthy. In other words, we are told you have to look at another human being as a leper. Maybe you have it. Let's have these rituals and talk 100 feet apart. We can't get together. Oh, everyone has to wear a mask. You have to go to school. In school, you can't be together. You have to have all these boxes and bubbles because maybe you have it. We're like, well, what do you mean? Throughout history, we have flus every year. A tremendous percentage of flus are asymptomatic. And, you know, we we just isolate those who are sick. I mean, that's what we've been doing. And folks, this is not just from a policy scientific standpoint. This is also important from a legal standpoint. Because when they talk about the police powers of a state that have been recognized to quarantine... The definition of quarantine means quarantining the sick. The notion that you could lock down people that have no signs of the virus indefinitely is just, it's unconstitutional, it's imprudent, it doesn't make any sense. But we were told this is different. This is super duper different because, let me tell you, this is asymptomatic. And the asymptomatic are spreading it everywhere. And you don't know who could have it. You don't know who could be a leper. You don't know who you must look at with disdain and suspicion. And therefore, we must all be locked down. Whether we think we have it, whether we have symptoms, or whether we've already had it. Because you could get it asymptomatically a hundred other times. As I noted, there's one thing to make a premise. That, you know what, we don't know. Let's, let's wait and see. Maybe this is different. Maybe masks work. Maybe kids are a spread, a vector for spreading. You have to shut down the schools. Maybe asymptomatic is spreading it. But eight months later, when there is zero evidence to any of those things, that schools are spreading it, that asymptomatic spread it, that masks work, and the evidence is all to the contrary, you would think we'd be done with this. But then again, it was never about the science. But you know what's interesting? What's interesting is when you have past history of literature statements given by all these public health experts, 
saying what we're saying. Then we have a virus that's supposedly novel, so maybe it's different. But then the research seems to jive with the long-standing view. And we're to believe these clowns that somehow it's changed? Folks, take a listen to this. What Dr. Fauci himself said in an interview, January 28th, when the virus was percolating, we knew about it, but it wasn't everywhere. Listen to what he said about asymptomatic spread. Take a listen. To just add one thing that seems to get lost in that question is that, as Bob said, and I agree, we would really like to see the data because if there is asymptomatic transmission, it impacts certain policies that you do regarding screening, et cetera. But the one thing historically people need to realize that even if there is some asymptomatic transmission, in all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. The driver of outbreaks is always a symptomatic person. Even if there's a rare asymptomatic person that might transmit, an epidemic is not driven by asymptomatic carriers. Folks, did you hear that? Did you hear that? He said that asymptomatic, the driver of outbreaks is always a symptomatic person, even if there's some asymptomatic transmission. In all the history of respiratory viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. Well, now we see this with this Chinese study. The Chinese study is so clear as a bell. Now, folks might say, well, Daniel, that's China. You can't trust them. Yeah, but the problem is that that would be if China were promoting more panic. This does not work in their favor. I mean, I don't know who's doing this academic research. It was a very large study printed in Nature. But if anything, they want people to purchase their PPE. That's the whole business. They, they, They make money off of scaring people over asymptomatic spread. That's the whole mask wearing thing. But moreover, it jives with what fa- – it's not like this study is like, wow, that's a crazy study. You're showing me asymptomatic don't spread? I mean, come on. that that, that We can't believe that. No, listen to what Fauci said from day one. It jives with it. The World Health Organization said in May that asymptomatic spread was, quote, very rare. A U.S.-based study, University of Florida Gainesville, Department of Biostatistics – couple months ago, this came out. They also observed very low transmission rates. They estimated that the transmission rates among asymptomatic were 28 times lower than those who are symptomatic. There was also another Chinese study that we talked about when it came out in May that showed a very weak transmission capability. And again, it likely doesn't mean that it never occurs. But this is not what's driving the spread. Because most asymptomatic... they're not really, it's kind of semantics. They're not really positive because you need 40 CTs to, to, to see it. There's probably a couple asymptomatics that you were able to see with 20-25 CTs. So those are the ones that might be infectious. Where is it coming from? People are clearly spreading it even when they're sick and, and probably surfaces. Much more than the whole... Uh, you know, the whole airborne thing, at least from asymptomatic. Folks, in September, there was a study on cycle thresholds funded by the French government. 
and they found that the accuracy of PCR testing really drops off after 25 magnification CTs. But using 35 cycles of viral RNA amplification is only about 3% accurate. So for those of you who don't know math, what that means is that they're basically telling you 97% of positives that were only seen at 35 CTs of amplification are false positives. Now, we had that New York Times revelation back in August that reported most labs in the U.S. are using 40 CTs. This is such a joke. That's literally the definition of a case-demic. The Chinese study, that the, the first one I mentioned, the one out of Wuhan, in summary, the detection rate of asymptomatic positive cases in the post-lockdown Wuhan was very low, and there was no evidence that the identified asymptomatic positive cases were infectious. These findings enabled decision makers to adjust prevention and control strategies in the post-lockdown period. These findings, in other words, the Chinese were like, hey, we don't need to weld people into their homes because asymptomatic don't really spread much. So the Chinese realized this and they stopped it. In other words, following the data and the science research after eight months of torture has landed us In the same position we started this year, that quarantining the healthy is counterproductive and achieves nothing in stopping the spread of a respiratory virus. The Chinese government learned to move on from authoritarian lockdowns of the healthy, but in the Western world, in the good old land of the free and the home of the brave, we have not learned that. We are more authoritarian than the Chai Coms. Let that sink in for a moment. And while you're letting the failure of these lockdown policies sink into your brains, I want you guys to now conjure up thoughts about the other side of that cost-benefit analysis. And that is the harm that we know it has caused. So we know it has caused no slowing or you know, amelioration of the virus, that's for sure. But what has it wrought? And by the way, I just want to say, before we list just just a cursory glance of some of the devastating causes to civilization, I do want to say the news out from today is that there were no new deaths in the state of Wisconsin, zero. And that was the big hotspot. And that's the later indicator, not just like cases, but deaths lag for a while after the cases slow down, even after the epidemic stopped. So again, it's a six to eight week cycle in a given area. It goes, it saturates. It is so mechanical. It is so beyond doubt, beyond question that after eight months of this, we know exactly what it does and there is nothing we can do to stop it. So our friends at the American Institute for Economic Research, AIER, put out a a, a terrific cost analysis, a report, on all the costs 
And they're not all. I, I'm not going to say it's comprehensive. It's very well done. But this just scrapes the surface. I could think of some things they missed. But they did a terrific job here. And you could all find it at Cost of Lockdowns, a preliminary report. I'm just going to read to you some of it. Mental health. During late June 2020, 40% of U.S. adults reported to be struggling with mental health or substance abuse. Of adults surveyed, 10.7% had thoughts of suicide, more than double the rate from just two years ago. Reported symptoms of anxiety were three times higher than they were a year ago. And symptoms of depression were more than four times higher. Among individuals 18 to 24 years old, the suicide rate was 25.5%. Between April and October, the portion of ER visits related to mental health, we talked about this, for children 5 to 11 increased by 24%, 31% increase for those from 12 to 17. More than 40 states have reported increases in Drug-related mortality, many states, it's 40, 50, 60%. Folks, just that alone, you cannot imagine the long-term effects, the cascading consequences of taking a civilization and making them mentally ill, making them depressed. What that does in terms of domestic violence, violence all, all across the board, Performance in economic endeavors and educational endeavors. That, that, that is a civilization killer right there. Okay, that's just, that's just a reality. You can't deny it. That is a civilization killer. Food banks gave out 20% more food than an average month in March. This year, between 71 and 100 million people will fall into extreme poverty. Now, some of this is global. About 86 million children will fall into poverty. And they have links to all these reports. And um, where is this? In March, 39% of people living with a household income of 40% and below reported a job loss. That's nearly 40 it's not the liberal Karens that are pushing this stuff that are losing their jobs. About 24 million children may drop out of school next year as a result of lockdowns. A decrease in life expectancy by 5.53 million years of life is found to occur from U.S. children due to closing U.S. primary schools. 5.53 million years of life lost. So remember, as we've said numerous times, the COVID deaths are mainly among those that are right at life expectancy, give or take. And you can go on and on. 10 weeks into the lockdown, 2.1 million people in the UK were waiting for breast, cervical, or bowel cancer screenings, couldn't get them. This is in the U.S., diagnosis for six cancers. Breast cancer, colorectal, lung, pancreatic, gastric, and esophageal had declined by 46.4%. 
with breast cancer, it dropped by 51.8%. Um, what, what else do we have here? Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death in the U.S. Premature cardiovascular disease and stroke mortality costs $137.5 billion and lost future productivity. Admissions for chemotherapy decreased by 45 to 66%, while urgent referrals, referrals for early cancer diagnosis decreased 70 to 89%. I mean, you, you can't recover from that. And, and, and the beauty of this is that they get to have their cake and eat it too. They get to have higher mortality, and then they'll say, oh, you see those are COVID deaths. I mean, just like I told you, remember, in Miami, 52%, 52% of those who are diagnosed with COVID were not there for COVID. They were there for a car accident, heart attack, stroke, you name it. Well, you know, in a given city, in a given week, there are a certain number of those people who will unfortunately pass away as a result of their injuries or, or uh, illness. Those will all be COVID deaths. During the first six months of 2020, murder and manslaughter offenses increased by 14.8%, according to the FBI, but it's, it's gone up a lot more since then. Um, arson increased by 20%. Again, a lot of this is, I'm not going to say it's all the lockdowns. BLM would have done some of this anyway, but clearly it has made people kind of crazy. Restaurants have spent an additional $7,400 on PPA enhanced safety protocols, which will take 66% of businesses six months to recoup. The restaurant industry is set to lose $240 billion in revenue and 8 million employees. In May, nearly 75% of independent restaurants reported new debts greater than 50000 And... One in three restaurants are expected to close. 86% of them reduce staff. And 40% of them are expected to be out of business altogether by March of this coming year. Think about that as you watch Amazon and Walmart and all the big companies that benefit. Which is why I've said this time and again. I believe that we need a five-year moratorium on taxes and regulations, but only for certain small businesses. Just in the form of reparations for what has been done to them in order to give big business an advantage. But of course, all these people looking out for the little guy, no, they don't have anything to say about that. They couldn't care less. So folks, look at all of this calamity Look at all of this damage. Look at it. Who is going to be held responsible? And then you have people like this dirtbag governor of my state, Larry Hogan, who's looking more and more like Kim Jong-un as he acts like him. Kim Jong-fat boy. So this guy's out there. Oh, he loves going on these media shows. Oh, Mr. Hogan, what do you think about Trump? Oh, it is terrible. A threat to democracy. We're beginning to look like a banana republic, he said today. 
Gee, you think? Look in the damn mirror, Mr. Hogan. You are the Banana Republic, and I'm glad you actually discovered the word republic. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to be a republic, not a democracy. Meaning, just because you win an election, it doesn't mean you could do what the heck you want. There's limitations. There's guardrails. Like a football field, there's like out of bounds, you can't run there. It's not an option to get up there and say, hey, uh, we're shutting down uh, your business. We're shutting down your church. Hey, there's a curfew at 10 o'clock tonight. You can't just do that. And he has the nerve to patronize us, lecture us about what a democracy looks like. Are you kidding me? What a piece of garbage. You know, I'm going to say this. This really bothers me. This man, at the beginning of his first term as governor, he was diagnosed with a very serious form of cancer. And it all was a gut punch to us. We're all very sad about it. We prayed for him. Um, I never liked him politically even back then, but, you know, cancer is something that really brings all humanity together. It's just just awful what it, what it does to people, cuts down so many people in the prime of their lives. And we, we were so proud of him and, and proud to see him pull through. But let me say this. Mr. Hogan, God did not give you that lease on life. So you can go and ensure that so many more people die as a result of your policies. He didn't give you that lease on life so you can be an utter tyrant. This is the challenge I have for Hogan and all these other tyrants. Name me one thing you think that you cannot do by merely stating a noun, a verb, COVID, in the form of a command, and thinking that is the law. Is there one exception to that? Is there anything you cannot do under the guise of COVID-19? Anything. I'd love to hear what it is because I have not seen a single thing that is out of bounds. Then you could lecture us about a republic. Name us one thing you you feel you can't do. But this is where we are. After one city, after another, after another, after another is experiencing record crime, record murder, record carjackings and shootings. Those very same city governments are turning on their own people. And they're basically saying, you are the criminals. We are not. We're not going to go and uh, enforce the real laws. But I'm going to make up fake laws. And you better like them. You better like them. You know, uh. Cuomo was out there saying, well, you better watch out on Thanksgiving what you do. Spread thanks, not COVID. Yeah, you better watch out. He's right. You better not travel on those subways. There's been 514 robberies, 294 assaults, six homicides, and five rapes. So yeah, you, you, uh, you better watch out for that. And this is what we have over and over again. 
everywhere in the country. Homicides are up 66% in Fort Worth, Texas. Used to be a nice place. 52% in Boston. 68% in Portland. 79% in Louisville. 85% in Minneapolis. And 110% in Milwaukee, where they are expected to set an all-time record for homicides. Again, folks, we need a revolution. Our American revolution was fought over much, much less. I want to close with uh, one more point. I got to run soon. Got to get out on the road here. But I think it's very important as everyone is kind of debating what's going to be the future of Trump, the election and everything. Look, I'm all for fighting for him. I'm all for fighting for salvaging what's left of our electoral process. But I just want you to remember, we've had problems all along with this man. We've had problems with, you know, him being his own worst enemy. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you this story. I know people are going to be a little bit upset about it. But frankly, I just don't care. You guys need to hear the the truth. If you remember, speaking of Fort Worth, with all that murder going on there, Fort Worth is represented by a woman named Kay Granger in the United States Congress. She's the consummate rhino. She's a pro-abortion Republican, liberal, open borders, you name it. Horrible, horrible. And finally, we had a very decent challenger, Chris Putnam. We had him on once or twice on the show when he was running in a primary. And typically, primary challenges don't go anywhere, but he he was able to raise money. The Club for Growth came in, put in money. And there was a poll that I know about that had him downright ahead of Kate Granger, which is very rare two months before an election, primary election for the challenger to be ahead of the, ahead of the incumbent in the primary. Kate Granger went to Trump and begged for an endorsement, even though she had previously trashed him and told him to drop out of the race four years ago. And he endorses her. And, and you know, we've done several shows about this over the years, how Trump has cut the legs out from his strongest supporters, and he's literally endorsed the people that have cut his throat. And he did it again and again and again. Well, now that she no longer needs Trump, and she defeated one of us with the help of Trump, and now Trump is on the ropes... This is from the Texas Tribune. U.S. Representative Kay Granger, a high-ranking member of Texas's congressional delegation, who is respected among her peers, said Friday she has great concerns about President Donald Trump's continued effort to overturn the country's election results. I have great concern about it, she told CNN on Friday morning. I think that it's time to move on. I think it's time for him to really realize and be very clear about what's going on. Well, well, well. You know, folks, sometimes it's hard to feel bad for the man. I mean, this was plain as day. There was no reason for this. 
He went in and bailed her out. I mean, this is why, look, to me, we'll fight to salvage this as much as we can. Now I see he fired Sidney Powell. But, you know, if everything's going to be a three-ring circus and it, it undermines our position anyway, then screw it. It's time we pledge, we, we, we plow a path forward. Because remember, this has happened anyway under his tenure. It's time we stop putting all of our hopes into just elections every four years. In a republic, it's about guarding liberty. It's about boots on the ground and the institutions at a local level. That's where this is going to be won. And again, as I, I, I'm going to try my best to push this Declaration of Rights and this agenda. It's got to start in conservative counties and conservative states. One by one, we create a domino effect. Regardless of what's going on at the federal level, and frankly, if Biden's in there, which I certainly don't want, and there will certainly be very grave consequences to that, there will be certain ancillary benefits to it in terms of us being able to harness a counter-revolution. I mean, at the end of the day, Barack Obama's right. Obama told CNN, or CBS uh, Sunday Morning, he was on one of the Sunday morning shows, and he said, you know, he's talking about, you know, Trump not uh, uh, receiving more than 70 million votes. And he says, what it says is that we are still deeply divided. The power of that alternative worldview that's presented in the media that those voters consume, it carries a lot of weight. It's funny. I mean, he controls 99% of it. And he's like, you know, he's, he's like saying, yeah, there's all this stuff in the media. It's very hard for our democracy to function if we are operating on just completely different sets of facts. He's right and he's wrong. He's right that it's hard to function when we operate on different sets of facts. It is hard to function. You know, during the Revolutionary War, we disagreed on one thing in the country. Whether it was worth risking a fight with Britain to gain independence. During the Civil War, it was a disagreement over one thing, a very big thing, but it was one thing. Now it is over every aspect of liberty, life, crime, values, family, economy, civilization, everything. You can't live together like that. He's right. Which is why we need a national divorce. But what he's wrong about is he said, it's hard to have a democracy. Because we're not a democracy. We are a republic. In a democracy, if you get 51% of people to agree that we need to rape the other 49%, well, you could go ahead and do just that. But that's not how this works. That's not the system we set up. That's not the system our founders fought for. And they certainly practiced that very well when Trump became president. They were able to extend their version or concept of construct of liberty for illegal aliens in the states and the cities that they controlled, well, you better believe we're going to set up our sanctuaries for our values and our places. That's the bottom line, folks. 
Benjamin Franklin, he had a saying, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. He actually wanted that motto to be, to, um, to be on the great seal of the United States. That's what he wanted the official seal to be. Rebellion against tyrants is obedience to God. The question is not if and when. The question is how. That is the starting point for this program, this national town hall. As always, I appreciate a lot of your emails. You know, like I wonder too, am I the only sane one left? And I, I see a lot of you guys sending me similar emails. Um, I really appreciate some of your ideas for the verbiage or concepts and laws principles to include in our declaration and I'm taking all of those in we got about another five weeks until the legislative sessions open in a lot of these a lot of these states that's where it needs to be we need to start seeing a couple of states stand for liberty and then we're going to have like-minded people in other states with similar demographics to push the same things and that cascading domino effect of liberty will pick up as much momentum as that cascading velocity of tyranny has picked up over the last eight months. But folks, never forget, when you hear these people go and patronize us about, oh, what a democracy should look like, you just remember that all these people have destroyed our civilization for a complete lie. But here's the beauty of a republic over a democracy. In that you could, you might be wrong. You know, you get asymptomatic spread wrong. You get effectiveness of masks wrong. That's fine. But you see, in a republic, you don't have to suffer the collateral damage from that. Because in a republic, you don't have the right to pursue those policies. Because even if they were effective, you could never implement them to that degree over that period of time, even for healthy people. You couldn't do that. That's the wisdom and the beauty of our founding system. Typically, if something is unconstitutional, it's likely not a good idea. It's likely not a prudent idea either. The two usually work together. And that's why if you cannot accomplish a certain task or outcome through the legal channels that the constitutional Constitution offers you, affords you as a governor, as a president, mayor, county executive, well, it likely means that either it's a bad idea or it just doesn't work. It's not an option. And that's what we're seeing. It's time to make our republic great again. And at some point that is going to have to rise above any one personality. You know, if Trump wants to be an ambassador for that, that's great. But I mean, he's got to show us the good at some points, at some point where someone else needs to step or he needs to step aside. Someone else needs to step up to the plate. But if nobody does, we just need a grassroots movement. There was no one particular figure 
that rose head and shoulders above anyone else during the revolution. There are famous people like Hancock and Sam and John Adams, Patrick Henry. But it was a movement. And a movement we shall create on this week of liberty, this week of Thanksgiving. Send me your ideas, questions, comments, concerns to dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Let's keep conversing at Minimum Speakeasy on Facebook until they shut us down. we got to find another place. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. <laughs>